love encapsulates everything. If there's only one word that I could say the rest of my life, it'd be that. It's my family's motto. Every beautiful moment, every unforgettable moment that you've had in your life, the ones that you wish you could live a thousand times again on repeat, it's because you felt that feeling, that tingling in your spine, that uh, that gush, that choking up in your throat uh, that came because you know you encountered uh, true love. So uh, lo- love is the word that I can live without. Welcome back to Fundraising TLC. I'm John Kinnean, and today we have part two of our conversation with John Knowles, the Executive Director at the Diocesan Fiscal Management Conference. In this episode, John shares some advice for those looking to enter the field, as well as a few insights on how to ramp up your approach to securing major gifts. This is a great episode, folks, and I can't wait for you to hear it. You know, part of our audience for this is you know Catholic development professionals, Catholic uh, folks involved in Catholic finance, folks that are thinking about careers in, in Catholic fundraising. So when we talk about these big picture things with the church, and when we break it down to to maybe somebody that's you know just starting out in Catholic, you know, a junior level Catholic development position, or starting out as a you know a, in a finance office at a diocese or you know a religious order, what advice if you if you would be so bold as to give advice, or what thoughts do you have for for them? You know, whether it's about the significance of the work they do or or how to keep them motivated, anything that you think if you were speaking to the 28-year-old John Knowles or the, you know, or the 25-year-old John Kinnean, uh, what, what might you say to them in terms of, uh, you know, their careers or, or their energy or motivation? Well, first of all, you absolutely chose the right career. I mean, I, I can tell you right now, I know so many job searches that are live right now for fantastic positions you know, at both entry level and also kind of more, more senior management level. There's so many great opportunities out there in fundraising the Catholic Church. So my first thing I would say is you chose really well. So I think that's important. And, and two, like, you know, don't give up on this. Even if, you know, you're struggling right now or if maybe, maybe you took on a job that wasn't the perfect fit for you, please don't leave the profession. Please don't leave this discipline. Keep at it. it this is a squeaky wheel gets the grease or whatever, however, that's, however that saying goes. This, this is all about focus, endurance, discipline, sticking with it, and, and you're going to succeed. And there, are, there is so much opportunity out there. There are so many you know, well-placed, capable of giving families out there that are looking for great opportunities to make a difference and an impact. And, and, you know, it seems like they surface all the time. So mm-hmm. there's plenty of opportunity out there. We're, we're, we're a growing church. We're a, we're a growing movement within the church to do good things. And, and so you, you, you chose the right field. So uh, a couple of things, one, pick your, your first job, if you can, around the, uh, the boss that you'll have, the person you'll be reporting to, get to know, get to know his or her her uh, values, personality. Uh, you know, just spend some time trying to get to know that person to because that's going to be a significant relationship in your life. Uh, you know, moving forward, and it'll probably be the primary determiner of whether or not you'll you'll enjoy the work or not. Um, get to know the organization and its, and its mission. Read up on it. Uh, you know, talk to as many people as you can. Uh, get to get to know it. You know, inside and out if possible before accepting the position. Make sure it's a good fit. And then um, just just decide that you're going to work crazy, crazy hard, you know, especially in those those first jobs, those those later jobs. And I'm not saying that I don't you know, work hard now, just like you, John. I mean, we, we still work hard, but it's, it's kind of like a different kind of hard because, uh, you know, a lot of our, our work now, you know, just at the level we're at, you know, tends to be about, um, I guess, sharing our experience and our and our strategic thinking around ideas and also, you know, growing and, and, and guiding, you know, uh, our staff and our team and, our, and the volunteers we work with. 
so it, it's just a kind of different kind of work. But if you're getting into this, just, you know, kind of like, you know, sit down and, and tell yourself, hey, I'm going to go wild with this for the next year, two years, three years, however long it takes. And I'm going to make a great impact. I'm, I'm going to do some, I'm going to score some huge wins. I'm going to bring that honor to myself and to my family. I'm going to tell the world what I'm all about. And uh, I'm just going to sacrifice in other areas of my life. You know, maybe I don't get to hang out with my buddies as much. Maybe I, maybe I miss out on a few things. Maybe I don't get to watch as much Netflix. You know, maybe I have to, <laughs> you know, wake up a little earlier. I, you know, give up video games. I, you know, whatever you got to do to pour in that, you know, 10 hours a day or more, uh, giving up weekends. But be the person, especially early in your career, you're a master of the organization, you're the master of the mission, you work harder than anyone else, you have absolute integrity, your word is good as gold. And if you do that for a year, two years, three years, and you just really focus on that, you're, you're, either your growth within that organization or the next uh, position you, you consider, it's going to come a little bit easier because you'll truly be on your way to being a master of the trade. If you're, if you're not willing to do that, if you think that you know, you can, you can achieve it, you know, other ways through, you know, I guess, you know, political stuff or, or taking shortcuts or kind of scheming and maneuvering, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to, you're going to regret that. Uh, you're not going to be successful and uh, you're not going to make as, as great of a contribution or, or a contribution at all. So uh, anyway, to that person that's listening, uh, <laughs> I'm behind you. I'm praying for you. You're in the right game. Uh, just, uh, just, you know, run at it with reckless abandon and make your stand now. Tell the world who you are. One of the things that I've noticed in my career, so my career in, in fundraising began in 1995 when I went to work for my father, who owned a firm that did fundraising for the Catholic Church, a firm that I would eventually come to own and sell and a bunch of other things, is the increased involvement of the laity in the church. Right When I started uh, in 1995, there weren't many John Knowles working in the church, right? There weren't many Curtis Martins. Talk about the role of the laity and what you've seen, you know, uh, and how it's impacted the church. Because I think one of the, the, the real changes for the good that I've seen is that the church has invited the laity into leadership positions and, you know, placed faith and confidence and support behind you know, various people, you know, for the betterment of the church, you know, and and I think that's been a big change. And and I saw it happen, you know, in the sort of late 80s and through the 90s, and it began to pick up steam a little bit in the early 2000s. But these last five, eight, 10 years have really, I've really seen a profound change. And I think for the the good. Any any thoughts around that? Sure. So first of all, the Catholic Church is unique in that um, governance of the Catholic Church, you know, who's really in charge, etc. Of course, it's uh, you know, it's Jesus Christ. It's it's the Lord, but uh, in the temporal world, and you know, on Earth, governance of the Catholic Church is confined to the bishops, the uh, mm-hmm. the Pope, the Bishop of Rome, the Vicar of Christ, um, appoints the bishops of the Church throughout the world, and they are solely uh, vested with governance of the Catholic Church. So that means that as good as you and I, John, can be at our jobs, or, or as amb- ambitious as mm-hmm. we are. We'll, we'll never be the Bishop of Hartford or, or the, or the, or the, uh, bishop, 100%. Yeah, the Archbishop of, uh, of Philadelphia. And, and I, think, I think one of the advantages, and there's a myriad of advantages that we need to protect that and be, be custodians of that, is that it, it attracts a different kind of leader kind of in the ranks that we're in, and that ultimately we're all servants. You know what I mean? Like uh, I could be the, the best you know, Catholic fundraiser in the world, or I could, I could you know, run a prestigious Catholic organization or, or whatever. But I'd still be a, a servant leader, 
I'm not the person in charge. When the bishop comes in the room, I bow, I, I, I say your excellency, because that, that's where the authority lies. So it attracts a different kind of person. Uh, we're not in this to try to run things. We're not in this to be in, in charge of things. We can't. We are servant leaders. So I think that that promotes a different kind of thrust within the laity to uh, be inspired by service and by giving back and serving the bishops and, uh, and just focusing our efforts on doing good. And, and I think personal ambition is separated from that a little bit. And I think the church is doing a good job of leveraging the talent in, in the laity. You're right. That is a trend in the church. And I think it's generally a positive one. As long as lay leaders and lay professionals like us understand that our role is to serve and to give back and to be humble and to make tangible contributions in support of the leadership of the bishops and to never try to usurp their authority to govern the church. Beautifully said. Uh, probably the best description of that that I've heard. Uh, I completely agree. And, uh, and it appears as though the church uh, agrees in many respects as well. Uh, you know, as I continue to see you know, more lay leaders, you know, rise up and, 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 and do great things for the church while also, of course, uh, lifting up our, and supporting our bishops as best we can. So, uh, you know, really, really well put and well said. And I, and I think, you know, if I was a young person thinking about a career here, um, you know, I think a reason for optimism, there's, there's lots of opportunity to really contribute. You're not going to become the bishop or the archbishop, but, uh, but you could really contribute and you could really help the church and by helping church help society. Uh, and I think that that's great. Look, look at the explosion of Catholic institutions too. I mean, look at all these new colleges and universities and apostolates that have risen up just in the past 25, 30 years that didn't exist before. So, I mean, that, that provides really exciting professional opportunities for your listeners and other people that want to get into Catholic advancement. This stuff wasn't necessarily around, you know, 30, 40 years ago, but now it is. And it's flourishing. It's booming. I serve on the advisory board of the Catholic Leadership Institute here in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy the kind of growth and expansion of mission we've had in the past few years. You know, we're hiring, we're looking for new talent. And, and again, that's an organization that didn't exist 35 right. years ago. So anyway. Well, it, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned it. And I knew that you uh, were involved with them, you know, sort of uh, my shorthand for, for organizations when I'm kind of going on that little tangent is Catholic Leadership Institute you know, focus with Curtis Martin. Um, and of course there are many others, but, uh, those are two front of mind for me as I think that they are examples of, of the kind of work that can be done, uh, in service of the church, you know, really good work. That's really having an impact. I mean, look at, I looked at the, I didn't go to the focus convention. Um, but, uh, you know, I saw the pictures and you see, you know, 10, 15,000 people and, and, uh, and you say, okay, you know, this is, this is really making, this is really making a difference. Let's get into the weeds a little bit, John, on, on some things, because uh, I always find that these stories sometimes are, in, are instructive. Do you have a great major gift story that when you look back on a major gift, and I'm not necessarily saying the biggest, because it doesn't always have to be connected to that, but a major gift story that as you look in your career, you think back on and say, that was profound, or that changed me in a particular way, or demonstrated or showed me something. And I mean, I'll leave it at that. Any, anything around, say, just a major gift that you helped obtain or facilitate. Yeah, there, there's a few that come to mind, and uh, I'm trying to think of one that might be a little bit more interesting. So, uh, you know, I, I guess the what, what I would say in the context for this is like you never know uh, how you're going to build a connection w- with somebody who's on their way mm-hmm. to making a, a significant investment. Uh, I can tell you how you do it. You know, it's through requesting a lot of visits. You know, trying to get in front of a person as much as you can, being prepared for those. Uh, actively listening, really loving and caring the person that you know you're, you're serving, 
getting to know their family and their spouse, you know, if, if appropriate and possible. You know, one that comes to mind that, you know, I guess was kind of funny and kind of interesting is just, you know, the connection was formed uh, around our, our shared love of hot sauce. And, uh, <laughs> you know, just, uh, you know, are you a Frank's guy? Are you a Cholula guy? Tabasco? And, uh, <laughs> you know, the obscure ones that maybe you hadn't heard of, you know, what's the you know best uh, ratio, you know, like, uh, <laughs> and uh, man, I just remember talking to uh, this fine gentleman about hot sauce for what seemed like hours. And we just covered a lot of ground there. and. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I knew when I had a fellow hot sauce lover, I, I had I had a shot. And uh, so anyway, the point is that, you know, that's why you ask the question. That's why you listen. That's why you, you talk in terms of the other person's interests, because you just never know what's going to what's going to spark and what's going to click. And in that case, it was it was uh, Frank's hot sauce. Awesome. I love it. Oh, I love it. Yeah, one of the things I tell a lot of my clients um, at the Lucas Company, I'm much more involved in direct response fundraising. But uh, earlier in my career, did a lot of major gift work and capital. And uh, a sort of a running bet I have with my clients is, is that if you were to list the reasons why your top donors support you, go ahead and write it down on a piece of paper. And what I often tell them is, I'm going to ask your top donors why they support you. And I'll bet you a steak dinner at the best restaurant within 50 miles of here that the reasons they give are not the reasons that you've written down on that piece of paper. And I've never lost that bet, although I've still taken them to the best steak dinners usually to celebrate the end of a campaign because giving is so personal, right? And I think it's easy in an organization to say, well, they give to us because we do this work or because we serve this community or because we graduate our kids to, you know, these universities. And, and when you speak to the donors, it's usually not about that. It's usually about a profound personal experience they had or something that organization meant to them or meant to their parents. And. And, and I remember soliciting uh, a very wealthy donor um, who had gone on and sold his business. And, and I went in to visit with him and, and I was a little bit apprehensive about it. it was early in my career. And then I figured there'd be this sort of elaborate kind of reason and, and what have you. And, and, uh, and he was sort of a gruff fellow and he sat me down and he says, you know, the reason I'm going to make this gift and it was a $2 million gift. I said, no, I, I, I don't, you know, but I'm, ha- I'm happy to hear that you're going to, but <laughs> tell me the reason. He said, before I went to, it was a particular prep school. He said. Uh, I was a punk. And he said, and and my father told me I had to go to college. And he's like, so I went to college. That was useless. He's like, this high school made me the man that I am and made me responsible and made me, you know, live up to my obligations. He says, everything else after that, you know, um, has has come from those four years I spent at this school. And it, it was just very illuminating, right? You know, here's this fellow who had achieved extraordinary success. And uh, this was going to be a $2 million check for a campaign. He was looking back 40 years ago because they gave him discipline and, and, and focus. And that discipline and focus is what's driven his entire career. Everything else after that was window dressing, university education, the master's degrees, all the stuff that he'd gone on to do. In his mind, he just literally scoffed at it. He said, they made me a man. That's why I'm sitting here today and writing this check. So, uh, so that's, uh, I've always found uh, what the donors tell us to be very instructive about how profound the work of the church is and can be in people's lives. Yeah, I've, man, I've certainly observed the same thing. You know, what struck me about the story you just shared, though, is it's very interesting, like uh, how uh, it's, it's the struggles that define us, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we all crave uh, comfort, peace, accomplishment, recognition, wealth, uh, you know all this stuff. And we think that's what life is all about. And if I could just get the next thing, or if mm-hmm. I could just take a vacation, 
or if I had a nicer car, you know, then, I, then I'd be happy. But then you talk to a, you know, a multimillionaire, a guy who's achieved a lot of success and his, his biggest philanthropic interest was the, uh, the point in his life where somebody, you know, really uh, got to him in, in a direct mm-hmm. way, in, in a maturation way and instilled discipline, uh, virtue, values in, in a way that, that the world just doesn't now. It's very interesting. You know, it, w- it wasn't like, oh, they gave me a, a ribbon for participation or they made me feel really good about myself. It was it gave me the, the the depth of character that I needed to have a have a an extraordinary life. Maybe that's what we need to be doing more in the church is being the vessel and the communicator of those character building moments uh, in the classroom and the family and other institutions in a world that says that, that stuff doesn't matter. We know it does, and we and we need to be the home of it. Well put, very well put. Great. Uh... A great summary of, the, of that story that I said. Very well put. Well, John, we're going to jump into the speed round. Hopefully the speed round lives up to uh, expectation. But, uh, you know, some uh, lighthearted kind of things as we kind of move toward the finish line of, of our time together. Um, we'll start with the first question. Uh, as you look back at your career, what was the silliest mistake you ever made or something that made you laugh the loudest in service of the church? Anything come to mind? Gosh. Uh... It's it's a little hard to say. I've certainly had my my share of embarrassing moments. I don't, I don't know how many are <laughs> are all that entertaining. Yeah, I think uh, I think one time I was driving Jeb Bush and I I called him the wrong name. I called him like Jerry or something, and uh, <laughs> yeah, he just rank. he just wasn't happy. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I got really nervous, you know, being around. Yeah, I was really young. I got nervous being around a big fam- famous person. And and I think basically I started every sentence I said to him with like uh. I was just like I, mean, I was just so so choked up the whole time. Yeah, probably calling him calling Jeb the wrong name. Uh, might 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 have been up there. I think that ranks pretty high. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Poor Jeb has you know, and especially given uh, the family he grew up in, uh, yeah. he's probably particularly sensitive to that. Poor Jeb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. On. <laughs> um, what's the best advice you've ever been given in your career, more even personally? Yeah, you know. Um, like a lot of men, like I, I probably struggle with, you know, ego and, uh, you know, being, I guess being self-centered sometimes. I think a lot of men struggle with that. And especially in my youth, uh, you know, I, I, I had that too. And I, I hate that about me. I, you know, I really work hard to, to, uh, address that, you know, through confession and penance and lots of long talks, with my wife and, you know, the, 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 you know, seeking out the brotherhood of trusted friends and, and, and male comrades and, so, uh, but anyway, um, when I was a kid, I remember it was, uh, you know, at my Catholic high school, um, a teacher and coach, it just was very clear with me that like, if you want to be a leader, you have to uh, be other centered, you know what I mean? Like it, you can't get up and be talking about you know, you know yourself and what you want and why you're so great. You know, the goal is to make your entire team, the entire community you hope to lead and serve feel like they have a stake in uh in the direction you're trying to trying to guide and uh fortunately i had uh, a teacher and a coach that cared enough to again kind of like your friend have that that serious conversation not just kind of blow me off or not care but uh loved me enough and cared for me enough to uh guide me and correct me uh i don't know if if i would have had the life i've had if he if he didn't you know do that so those leaders that believe that they the, the, the route to achieving leadership positions and having leadership opportunities is to glorifying themselves. I think that that is the biggest mistake you can make. You might be able to pull that off for a while through a, 
a coincidence or a chance or a stroke of good luck. It, it's not going to work for long. You, you truly need to, in the example of Jesus Christ, drawing from the noblest Christian traditions, you need to be the one that washes the feet. You need to eat last. You need to put others before you. You need to measure your success through the development of the people around you and the team you've been called to serve. So I'm very grateful for that teacher and coach for getting in my face that day back when I was 16. <laughs> Great. If you could live anywhere in the world, uh, aside from where you live now, where would it be? Man, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, so I, I'm a, I'm a little weird and maybe it's cause I'm, I'm from Michigan, but, uh, I, I'm crazy about snow and winter. I love four seasons, but I actually like winter a lot too. So I think that, uh, if I could live anywhere, it would be somewhere in the, in the Northern part of the United States where it gets a lot of snow and you have four good seasons, like Northern Michigan and my home state, you know, would be high on the list, Traverse city, Petoskey, Charlevoix, the UP, or maybe somewhere in upstate New York. I really love the area around like Lake George. And Lake Champlain a lot too, so I think I'd want to be you know somewhere with that kind of climate and somewhere with a lot of history. You know, just mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, trails to explore, museums, old battlefields I could walk around. Uh, those would be all. But but here's the thing: like when I go to the Jersey Shore, you know, for like the Catholics of the Shore and stuff like that, they have these little towns where you could have a, my my buddy Chris McMahon, who you know has this. I'm so mm-hmm. I'm so jealous of him. He's he's earned such a great life for himself. So uh, you can you can have a house where like. You know, you can walk to the beach in five minutes. You can walk to your church in five minutes. You know, the shops, the coffee, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So uh, that would be that would be nice too. You know, a place where I could literally just you know like wake up in the morning, go to daily mass. You know, walk to the the coffee shop or the restaurant or whatever. Maybe walk to a place where I could get some work done and and just go to the beach. You know what I mean? Like or do something else recreational. That that would be nice too. I'd want to be around some seasons. So I'd say uh, upstate New York, uh, northern Michigan would be high on my list. All right. Yeah, well, I, I did a, a, a church capital campaign many years ago in Traverse City. Yeah, and uh, and I had never been to that part of Michigan, and, uh, and it, I'm not sure if it was specifically in Traverse City or maybe a little bit further down the coast. But I remember driving along the, the lake and seeing these giant bluffs and everything. And and you know, I'm I'm from the Northeast. I'm from Connecticut. But, you know, I had no idea that uh, the Great Lakes, you know, sort of felt like that. Right? These mammoth bluffs and these waves crashing against the bluffs and the lighthouses. You know, it's a it's an ocean up there. Uh, it's really beautiful. It's a, yeah. And it's absolutely beautiful. Absolutely stunning. You, you know, John, you, you'll appreciate this. I, I got guys from like, you know, Pennsylvania and New Jersey and stuff like that. Like they're so sick of hearing me talk about Northern Michigan. A few of them have actually taken trips to like, yeah. you know, Mackinac Island or, you know, drive around the Gorgeous. UP or that part you're talking about. It's, to a person, they are absolutely floored by it. They absolutely think mm-hmm. it's one of the most beautiful places in the world. They go back now. So it's very interesting what you said. Like, there's, I've won some converts to the Midwest through that. Oh, 100%. That tactic. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was 26 or something. And just in, in, in my mind, it was just another business trip to somewhere in the middle of nowhere, right? Just you know, <laughs> right, get, get off the plane, put on the sport jacket, go do the work. And, uh, and as I was driving around, I was like, what is going on? This is yeah, absolutely man. stunning. So gorgeous. It's a sunset coast too, you know. I mean, it faces west, so you get beautiful sunsets every day. Yeah, it's it's extraordinary. If you could have any job or do any job in the world other than other than the career you've built for yourself today, what would it be? I've been doing this so long; it's hard to imagine any other life. But uh, I think it would be interesting to do something where you could experience the outdoors a lot. You know what I mean? I get a lot mm-hmm. of uh, I find a lot of peace and a lot of comfort, you know, just in taking long hikes and and being on the water and uh, you know gazing at mountains and stuff like that. So I think. I think it'd be really cool to be like a park ranger or, uh, you know what I mean? Like so, something yeah. like that, you know, where you could just kind of like be outside and moving around and sharing the, 
you know, just the majesty of God's creation with, with visitors and seeing children, you know, encounter that stuff for the first time. I think I, yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably be like a park ranger or maybe like a, maybe like a, picking up the garbage at a at a at a marina in uh in, in, in northern <laughs> michigan or something not bad not bad at all yeah yeah on my list although i don't know how high it is on my list anymore was uh to be a mate on a charter fishing boat yeah no. yeah i don't want to be the captain too much responsibility i have a lot of responsibility now i just want to be the mate i want to be the guy yeah. that baits the hook takes the fish off the hook you know hose down the boat afterwards i think that might not be a bad way to spend a few years yeah i like that yeah yeah so uh and last question here in the speed round, and it's a, it's an interesting question because it's it's gotten some fascinating responses. If you had to pick one word in the English language, a single word that would be your favorite word or word that means the most to you, what might that be? Love. It encapsulates everything. If there's only one word that I could say the rest of my life, it'd be that. It's uh, it's my family's motto. It's it's my daughter's favorite word, and. Uh, that's that's the word that encapsulates it all. Every 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 beautiful moment, every unforgettable moment that you've had in your life, the ones that you wish you could live a thousand times again on repeat, uh, it's because you felt that feeling, that tingling in your spine, that uh, that gush, that choking up in your throat, uh, that came because you know you encountered uh, true love. So uh, lo- love is the word that I couldn't live without. Terrific. I don't know how better a way to end uh, this conversation than than with that, John. That was a that was terrific. I love this conversation. It was great getting to know you a little bit better uh, and to learn more about you and and uh, and and to benefit from some of the things you shared today. Uh, I, I thank you for being here. Uh, any last words that you might want to throw in? Uh, if not, we'll, oh, just so you're, you're you're more than welcome, John. I, I can't believe I was worthy to be a guest on your show. Thank you for the time. It's been a real privilege and an honor. I appreciate that and. Uh, I think we'll probably next see each other at Catholics at the Shore, right? I can't wait, brother. uh, Awesome. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. God bless. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fundraising TLC with the Lucan's Company. We can't wait to share a new episode with you next Monday. In the meantime, get more information at fundraisingtlc.com and be sure to subscribe and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.